0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Welcome to the interview on the Raptors Republic podcast network. I'm Andrew Damlin. And if you hear this voice, you're listening to the development side of the Raptors and the Raptors 905. And with the G League season about to kick off... We're going to be talking about the G League and the Raptors, two draft picks from this past season. And to talk about one of them, their second round pick, Jalen Harris, we have the perfect candidate. He's a reporter with Nevada Sportsnet covering Northern Nevada sports, had a bunch of really nice pieces on Jalen Harris. And he's also a big fan of youth sports films. His Mm -hmm. name is Chris Murray. Chris, how are you?
1: Good. How are you guys doing?
0: We're 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 good over here. We're getting ready for the season from Toronto, watching it in uh, Orlando. We're we're excited as ever. And and you know, I wanted to ask you before we even got into Jalen. Um, here in Canada, we have this inferiority complex. We we crave the American attention, uh, the nationally televised games. We feel like we don't get the respect that uh, that we deserve. I was wondering, does a Mountain West conference get that kind of? Do, do they have the same sort of inferiority complex when it comes to the Power Five conferences?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Mountain West had four players drafted in this last NBA draft, but you don't hear it talked about as one of the best conferences basketball wise or even in football, um, you know, in the United States. So, uh, you know, I think whenever you come in through this conference, you're going to have that chip on your shoulder, whether you are Jalen Harris or Malik Lin, who, uh, you know, also played against Jalen last year, because, um, you know, you know, y- You're not maybe getting the kind of credit you feel like you deserve when you go and you put up these spectacular seasons like both of those guys did last year. Now, Malachi, a little bit different situation because he transferred from a power five. So he got a taste of that. But I think with Jalen in specific, uh, yeah, he definitely felt that. And people in the Mountain West feel that. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, you know, on his AAU team was always like the fifth or sixth best player. He didn't get those offers. He had to go to Louisiana Tech and then Nevada. So, um, yeah, I think Mountain West players in general. Um, but certainly, you know, coaches and and fans of the league always think maybe they're not getting quite uh, as much respect as they deserve, based uh, you know just on head to head comparisons with playing the Pac twelve and things of that nature.
0: And you alluded to his high school background. I want to go even further back because his backstory is is incredible. And the one thing I'll mention that I'll I'll leave you I'll, I'll tee you up a little bit, but he was actually uh, in the womb of a SMU Hall of Fame basketball player. Uh, she was, she was nearly five months pregnant with Jalen while she was putting up hall of fame stats and, um, and in, for, for Southern Methodist university. So clearly basketball is in his blood and I could go on about his incredible backstory, but I basically just be repeating your work. What are like the bullet points that Raptors fans ought to know about Jalen Harris's backstory?
1: Yeah, I mean, both of his parents were great basketball players. His mom greater than his dad. Uh, I think his dad would even admit that at this point. His mom is in the SMU Hall of Fame, like you mentioned. But, yes, she was pregnant with Jalen during the season and played in the NCAA tournament uh, with Jalen in the womb there. So, you know, that was kind of his first dabbling in the big dance. And, uh, you know, definitely born into a basketball family to two parents who really wanted to foster that love of basketball for him. Um, you know, he uh, was kind of passed around by the team Uh, After he was born, because they all kind of helped, you know, take care of him. If, uh, you know, the mom had a class. A teammate would watch him for a little while he'd be at practice and things of that nature so when you grow up in an environment like that I think you're naturally going to be drawn to the sport and his dad was was very very hard on him you know kind of teaching him and training him pushing him um not necessarily in like a malicious way in any way because there's definitely a love there but you're always going to butt heads to a degree when you want dad to be dad and he's being coach and trainer at the same time and uh you know your mom is just as competitive as well so uh he definitely had a basketball upbringing but I just thought that was the coolest story when I kind of you know put two and two together that you know when he was born and when she played in the NCAA tournament and uh, yeah Jalen talked about that with us last year just about um, that's why he wanted to get to the NCAA tournament because he had kind of experienced it to some small degree with his mom and he wanted to be able to play in the big dance himself never was able to do that at Nevada unfortunately but uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely basketball pedigree uh, when you look at the parents and the bloodlines and, um, you know, his mom was a spectacular player and has really helped his development as well.
0: So he comes over to Nevada with, I'm not sure what the expectations exactly were right from the start in terms of becoming an NBA prospect, but he had a string of 30 point games at, at, at one stage for you covering him. When did you start to realize this guy's got NBA potential?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was even before he played for Nevada. So Eric Musselman's last year at Nevada before he was hired away to Arkansas, they actually had a NBA pro day, which you only see at schools like Kentucky typically, but they had the Martin twins who were playing for the Hornets. Uh, They had a McDonald's All-American in Jordan Brown. They had a really, really good player in Jordan Caroline, who's one of the best players in Mountain West history. Um, so they actually held that pro day. They, uh, I think, had 22, 23 NBA teams there. Uh, media was allowed uh, on our channel. We actually broadcast the entire event, um, and you could just see Jalen fit in with the Martin twins. You know, he he was not like a step behind. Uh, you know, they had Lindsey Drew on the team, whose father Larry has coached uh, multiple NBA teams. Um, you know, it was a loaded team, and even though he wasn't able to play that year, he was. Practicing with the team, and he got to go through that pro day as if he was a regular player. And um, you know, Eric Musselman was hugely high on him. Now he never got to play for Coach Muss uh, because he did leave to go to Arkansas. And Jalen did go into the portal and thought about leaving, but he just he couldn't sit out another year. I mean, he had left uh, Louisiana Tech at the semester break, so it would have been two and a half years of just transferring and practicing, and he couldn't afford that. So um, you know, played for Steve Alford last year, but even before that, you know, I knew he had pro talent. Whether you get to the NBA who knows it's so many tough uh you know breaks and and you need a lot of luck to be able to land and stick in the NBA but you could see just with the skill set the love of basketball the size at 6 foot 5 like he had all the characteristics that would be required to get to the NBA now would he be able to get those breaks that you need to get his foot in the door um and he, he just barely did the you know second to last draft pick in last year's NBA draft
0: so in terms of his skill set. So you, you mentioned the size six, five athleticism. He, he mentioned in your interview that they needed to work on the three point shot um, defensively. Also, what, what kind of, what, what's his defensive pedigree do you think? Uh, and how, I think that'll fit in at the pro level.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest area where he has to improve. I mean, I think if he's going to stick in the league, it's going to be a three and D guy. Um, You know, he can shoot the three ball pretty well, but it's not your typical form. So I think that's what probably shied some teams away from him. He's just a very good offensive player. I mean, he was a combo guard at Nevada. He played a lot of point guard. Um, You know, I don't think he's going to be playing point guard at the NBA level, but he can score at all three levels. I mean, he was able to get to the basket really well. He was able to get to the free throw line. He has a really good mid-range game. Uh, You know, I know the long two is not uh, something that uh, teams really want players to shoot nowadays, Um, But that's kind of where I think his biggest strength offensively is, is the mid-range game and getting guys... Um, you know, getting a little bit of separation and using that size to jump up over the top of them. And then he shot it from three pretty well in college. So I think there's reason to believe that that will translate. He also shot the free throw ball pretty well, and that usually translates to being a good three-point shooter at the NBA level. Um, But he's not an elite shooter uh, from three. And then the defense, like you see all the potential for why he could be a good defender. He's got that length. He's very athletic. Uh, You know, his vertical jump is one of the best that the NBA draft combine has ever had. So he has those skills. It's just... He had to do so much offensively for Nevada last year. Uh, you mentioned the run of 30-plus point games, finished top 15 in the nation in scoring, that if he had to take a little break somewhere, it was going to be on defense. Now, that's not going to happen in the NBA. Uh, you know, this is not going to be a guy who's going out there being asked to score 20 points per game. So how much can he grow defensively where he can be trusted to be put into a rotation, I think, is the biggest question mark for him because I think the offensive skills and just the the skill set overall is good enough, but will the defense be able to catch up with that offense where he is uh, going to be a regular player in an NBA rotation.
0: It's interesting you mentioned the the dying of the mid-range game. Meantime, in in a playoff scenario, it seems like it's the only shot that anyone can get. And I'm not sure how much Raptors basketball you've been watching, but Fred Van Vliet, another underdog type of player, he's developing this little mid-range sh- shot too right now that he's had to go to uh, because – you know, his, I mean, though his three-point range is extended out really far, he knows that he needs that extra level to sort of get a shot off in the playoffs. So I'm not sure where a, the average late second-round pick becomes a playoff mid-range shooter for you, but it's it's not all the way dead, uh, It's it seems to me. Um, but, uh, you know, so you, you also mentioned in your article, the um, the and you mentioned now, the breaks that you have to get, just the luck that has to be on your side, the right situation. Do you feel... Uh, I know how Raptors fans feel and how Raptors 905 boast of their development culture. But when you saw that he was drafted by the 905, did you feel like, okay, this could be the right landing spot for him?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going into a winning culture for sure. It's not going to be a position where he's going to be put into an NBA rotation because the team is so strong. So he's going to be put uh, into a development system with the G League where he's going to have to go and improve himself and improve his game. And I think that's all he was asking for. I don't think he had any delusions that he was going to be an NBA rotation player as soon as he was drafted. But, um, you know, getting that opportunity and having some investment in him, I think is huge. I mean, uh, Nevada sent a lot of players to the NBA over the years. You're talking 10 to 15 players in the last about 10 to 15 years. So as a mid-major school, it's done a terrific job of that. But you can just look to Nevada's history. Uh, They have a player named Ramon Sessions Uh, was the 56th pick of the draft by the bucks he basically spent his entire first season in the g league very easily could have washed out of the league if things didn't go well he ended up playing 11 years in the nba um you know so there's a great story uh where you know if you just get with the right team and the right development system you mentioned fred van fleet i remember covering a game at wichita state eric musselman's first year and they were asking him all the wichita state media you know what do you think about fred van fleet and ron baker i mean you're an nba coach you've been coaching the nba i mean do you think that these guys are going to be NBA players at the next level? And he's like, ah, you know, the, Nevada had just lost by about 30 points. So he wasn't in the best of moods, but he's like, I don't know about that. You know, they're kind of small. And, uh, you know, he was nice about it, but he, he pretty clearly made it, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think these are pros. Uh, and you saw Ron Baker had a little bit of a shop washed out. And then Fred has had this great career and has been able to develop. He got a team and an organization that believed in him. He obviously worked on his game and got a lot better. So uh, the one thing about Jalen is you're not going to get – Uh, He's not going to not make it because he didn't put in the work. This is a guy who works exceptionally hard. He loves basketball. He cares about basketball, uh, very passionate about basketball, and he's going to do everything that he can do to make himself an NBA player. Now, whether he gets those breaks like a Roman session or whether he doesn't get those breaks like a guy like Armand Johnson, also a second round draft pick out of Nevada, who only played about uh, 50 games in the league. You know, some of that comes down to just whether you're in the right place at the right time. And obviously Toronto has a very good, uh, you know, starting lineup and a very good bench and they're trying to win now. So maybe they don't develop him necessarily this year or next year for a spot in their rotation, but I think the work ethic is certainly there and the skill set is there for him to turn himself into with the right team and NBA player long
0: term. Yeah, it's a really unique situation this season. It's not a 50 game season where you're actually can get some possible team buy in and it's 15 games in 25 days. And it it feels more like a, you can't even pretend it's not an individual showcase at the at the G League right now. It's really difficult. And I feel like you and me have a similar sort of viewpoint in you got your underdogs in the mountain West in Nevada. I got my underdogs in the Raptors 905 because that's the team that I mainly cover. You know, I saw Chris Boucher's first game with the team and you see these raw skills and you're like, you really, you just have this feeling that they can't quite get there, it's, but, but you know, they have the work ethic. Can they get a chance? And with Boucher, I, I did not expect him to be a rotation player at this stage either. So no, it's, it, it's uh and so what that leads me to my question, which is we talked about, Uh, You know, the um, the break of getting drafted by the 905. But what was your emotional response when you saw him getting drafted second to last uh, in the in the draft?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was exceptionally happy because he is a good kid and he comes from good parents and he wanted to do well for Nevada and he cared a lot about the product he put on the floor for the Wolfpack. And obviously he took a risk. Uh, there was going to be a risk either way. You come back to college at that point when you made the decision, you don't even know if there's going to be a college season. Uh, You obviously go into the pros. It's a very abnormal situation. Uh, You're not going to really be able to go out and work out for teams. They didn't know at the time whether there was going to be a combine. Eventually there was needed as virtually for the hometown Mavericks. Um, But I, I just felt really good for a kid who tried really hard at Nevada, who I thought was an NBA player. Just watching him uh, play at Nevada and, you know, covering a lot of guys who have made it in the league, whether it's JaVale McGee or Luke Babbitt, uh, Kirk Snyder, Nick Fizikis. Like I've seen a lot of really good players come through Nevada, uh, you know, the Martin twins. And I'm like, you know, to me, Jalen is the same as the Martin twins, uh, similar size, similar skill set a similar ability to potentially impact on both ends of the floor needs to improve defensively. And you've seen with the Martin twins, they just went to a lesser organization, right? They're playing for the Hornets and they're in the rotation because uh, the Hornets are just in a different spot than the Raptors. So, um, you know, this is a guy who I didn't want to not have the opportunity because of how odd the season was, because I feel like he has NBA skills. And I've seen some Nevada players, a guy like Cameron Oliver, who's playing over in Australia right now. And had a very brief time in training camp with the Rockets just not get that opportunity. And, you know, now that he's overseas, he may may never get that opportunity. So just for Jalen to be drafted and know that a team was going to put some investment into him and he was going to get the chance to at least show that he can be an NBA player, felt really good for me and gratifying for me because I know everything that he had been through. Now, you know, not only just at Nevada, but, you know, losing his coach in Eric Musselman, who he wanted to play for so badly, uh, you know, breaking his back in high school, being overlooked on the AAU circuit... Like there were a lot of bad breaks that he had in his career to get to this point. And for him to get, you know, a team to believe in him was, was a really cool feeling for everybody in Northern Nevada who got to watch him play for the Wolfpack last season.
0: Yeah. And for, for any Raptors fans who's unfamiliar with uh, the vintage Jalen Harris game, could you point us to the one game he played for Nevada where you're like, this is what you're getting out of Jalen Harris.
1: Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of them in the middle of the season. So his first game after he sat out a year and a half, uh, you know, sprains his foot pretty badly against Utah. So you get in your Pac-12 opponent, you you say you want to be, you know, you're the underdog and you want to go beat a Pac-12 school, like right out of the gate, like, you know, five, 10 minutes in, he's injured. And then he has to sit out uh, the next game. And he just didn't start the season very well because of that injury. And, you know, obviously not playing for a long time. But right basically in the middle of the season, he just hit his stride. He had four straight 30-point games. And the game that maybe sticks out the most to me is the game that broke that streak. It was a game down at UNLV. Nevada and UNLV are huge rivals. They're the only two. Division one schools in the state of Nevada. Uh, Nevada had beaten UNLV at home earlier in the season. Uh, so they go down to UNLV. UNLV wants to get revenge. Uh, and Jalen Harris just took over that game at the end. So he didn't end up getting 30 points, he actually missed a free throw in overtime, but he ends up with 29 points. I think it was 13 rebounds, like six assists, three steals, uh, you know, scores five, Nevada's eight points in overtime, gets the assist on the three-pointer and the one that he didn't score, he basically just put Nevada on his shoulders and said, we're going to win this game against our biggest rival. And that was in that streak where he was just lights out offensively. He was doing it efficiently. Uh, he was getting to the free throw line 10 times per game. He was hitting his threes. Um, and Nevada was asking a ton of him, and he continued to step up in those moments. A game against Fresno State, he had a huge uh, shot late in the game. Uh, a game against Air Force, he completely dominated. So that's when I think people in Northern Nevada are like, Okay, this is a special guy. He's only a junior. Do we have to worry about him not being here for his senior season? So that's kind of the curse uh, of being a college fan as he was playing so well. He was putting himself on that other tier where maybe he could leave, but um, he definitely had a historic run at Nevada. Um, I think he ended up with the third most 30 point games in a single season Wolfpack history and the four 30 point games in a row were the most ever consecutively. And as I mentioned, they've sent a lot of players to the NBA. So for him to kind of put his name on top of those just shows you how good of a scorer he was in college against very good competition in the mountain West.
0: And he seems like he has a, at least from the video clips I've seen, and I had media availability with him. It seems the attitude is he's really philosophical about things. He's got a deep faith. Uh, I was wondering from a, from, guys who transfer from either from power five or from a Louisiana tech. Is that the typical attitude of a transfer player? Who's looking to like make a big splash in their next school, or is that more atypical?
1: No, I think it's typical. I think what they're looking for is somebody who believes in them, uh, that they can be great players. So uh, I've mentioned the Martin twins a number of times, those guys came from North Carolina uh, state, you know, where, they were kind of role players and, you know, their, their coach maybe wasn't fully bought in on they could be NBA players. Um, I think it was a similar situation at Louisiana Tech where Jalen was kind of playing off guard and he saw himself as a lead guard who would have the ball in his hands. And that's what Eric Musselman, you know, kind of sold him on. It's this complete faith in yourself you know, that maybe, you know, not in like a mean way, like, you know, my coaches don't believe in me, the fans don't believe in me, whatever, just that, you know, I know I'm destined to be a great basketball player. And maybe I didn't make the right decision out of high school, but let me go and find this other school. That's going to have that same faith in me. And Eric Musselman just recruited a ton of those guys. Almost all of his guys were transfers. He was looking for those bounce back guys with something to prove who fit in his system. And while he didn't get to play for coach Musselman, I mean, playing for Steve Alford is still a very good deal. I mean, he's a very 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 good basketball coach. Uh, maybe they weren't completely on the same as on the same page as he and Coach Musselman. And uh, you know, Jalen was very, was very hard on himself when Nevada lost. Uh, you know, he's very strong in his belief of how good of a player he was. Um, you know, as I mentioned, they had Lindsey Drew, who's a point guard. who's a very good player as well. So trying to share the point guard role, um, you know, wasn't always perfect. But I think Jalen kind of established himself as the alpha of last year's team. And um, you know, I know Coach Alford really helped him a lot. And, and you know, is. Kind of a shame that he didn't get to play for Coach Musselman, but, um, you know, he can't be disappointed with his final outcome at Nevada because uh, of where he is right now and the opportunity that he has. And, you know, some credit to Coach Musselman, but also a lot of credit to Coach Alford for helping him get there.
0: No, and he is, he does seem to be in a good spot with the nine Oh five, you know, as a second round pick, they drafted uh, Dewan Hernandez last year, two years ago, I think, and basically just was injured most of the year. They waived him, but he's back with the team this year to see, you know, if that investment is going to pay off. So they do believe in their second round picks and, and sort of seeing things through. Uh, so we're really, you know, as Raptors 905, uh, Followers were are very excited to see what he what he's capable of. Hopefully, hopefully, he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. It's a kind of a star-studded team for a G League team. It's got Nick Nixtauskas. It's got Gary Payton the second on the team. Got a lot of pro, uh, got, got Henry Henry Ellenson who's a, got, also got pro mm-hmm. experience. So. Um, he will get his time for sure. And obviously Malachi Flynn as well. So hopefully he's in that starting five and he gets to show uh, what he's been dying to show since just missing out on the NCAA tournament for reasons outside of his control. Uh, Listen, Chris, I I really appreciate the time. I had one last question for you. If you had to choose, these are my two favorite youth sports films, but you got to choose which one's your favorite. It's, it's mighty ducks two or rookie of the year, which would you go with?
1: Between those, I'll go rookie of the year. So yes. i ball guy. I had a batting cage in my backyard growing up. Uh, out here in northern Nevada, we get snow throughout the entire winter. So there'd be times that I'd be hitting uh, balls in the snow in our backyard and a pitching machine in a, a batting yard on a couple of acres. So uh, love that one. Love the sandlot. Uh, kind of an underrated one, Ladybugs. Uh, the love song. Ladybugs, yes. Oh, yes, I mean, that. that's a great one with Rodney Dangerfield. Um, so, yeah, huge. I mean, Little Giants pop that in for my kids uh during this kind of quarantine period and they love that one as well so um yeah a ton of good ones there i'm a big mighty ducks guy but between the two that you gave me i'll go rookie of the year for sure
0: awesome yeah chet stagnant uh, all the way <laughs> uh listen chris thanks so much for your time and um maybe we'll catch up down the road if not stay safe out there in nevada
1: yeah thanks for having me